This is the freestyle way. Are are you nervous? <laughs> I'm feeling very excited. There's a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to be talking to you, and I'm so thankful you uh, chose to do this because. When we first connected, I, I forget if it was an interface or if it was the 21-day journaling. What was it? How did we first connect? We first connected in 2013. You were doing a clinic on muscle-up progressions in New York City. And that was the first time we connected. And I was reflecting on this, Carl, and how we started there. And then the next time we connected, it was in your coffee club, right when the world was shifting. And I made some friends in coffee club that I still am in touch with today. And I'm so grateful. And they're likely listening to this conversation. So wow. it's it's incredible. We've both been on amazing journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. insane. So in 2013, you came to my, what I called the Muscle Up Master class. Which is insane that it was that long ago. Yeah. And the fact that you chose to come to Coffee Club is very, very cool. Anyways, uh, when you came to that Muscle Up Master class, I uh, was a shell of myself, basically, because although I was fully present, do my thing, I, I loved it. It was hard to uh, be able to connect personally with people. You, you, collected, you connected with the group, so to speak. Uh, but then you came into coffee club and very few people dare to share during these collective conversations, but your voice, <laughs> your voice kept on coming up and I'm like, who is this woman? She, she, she's coming in really hot and, you know, not holding anything back. Uh, and before we even dive into like, who are you, what you do and all these things, have you always been vocal like that? Wow. I love this question. You know, my, my father tells me that as a child, I was the loudest one on the playground and a very sort of commanding presence, if you will. And yet at the same time, it feels like so much of this journey has been about allowing myself to be the one who speaks up when for so long I was shaming myself for just how much energy that I had to contribute and just how much enthusiasm genuinely I had as a kid about writing and creating and all of the things that as we progress through you know, childhood into becoming adults in the human uh, physical form, um, a lot of the journey for me, especially when we first connected, I was really realizing how much I had been holding myself back from like really bringing that curiosity, knowing that it was kind of weird and kind of loud. And could I just love myself and accept myself in spite of it and trust that other people, um, like that I belonged, you know, I wasn't separate in that. Mm, yeah. And you used the, 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 the word weird. <laughs> I, I can, I can see how people, when you like go off and, and you're really feeling something can be like, whoa, weird <laughs> right it's like that's she, she, she's far out you know um yeah do you embrace weirdness well carl you've really been supporting me in this process <laughs> it's my fault it's my fault okay so if yeah. if, if you're weird it's 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 me 
Well, no, no, no. It's it's such a great question because it's something that I've really been encouraging. Uh, so one of the things I do is I do some corporate teaching around kind of mindfulness, one-on-one, meditation. And I've been using myself as an example of kind of as I've allowed myself to progressively embrace my weirdness, embrace the quirks, um, embrace the things that maybe don't seem like, for example, you know, it's a little weird if you're at the office to go into a breathwork meditation or to do some tapping. Like these things are weird. If you're on the bus and you're doing some meditation, it can be a little weird. And I just, it's something I'm really passionate about embracing the weirdness, not as like, Hey, look at me. I'm so weird. But more as like, you know, there's value in this. I, I see it when I'm in these practices. So why don't I allow myself to continue to do what's really good for me, what I know is good for me? And maybe it's a little weird, but you know what? It gives other people permission. It's almost like modeling another way of being and not saying that you should be doing what I'm doing, but it's more just, can I have the courage to be who I am, to express myself and also to hold the awareness that I'm an evolving being. So maybe a practice that I have at one point in my life is really like CrossFit. It was a pathway in to uh, becoming more of who I really am. And that becoming has been a journey of of, uh, progression and evolution. And I'm so excited that we're in this conversation right now because Mm -hmm. when I I came to you for for Interface and we did some one-on-one work together, that was something that I was asking was, Carl, how do I be the, the, the weird or the quirky and still meet others? It, it was like this story my mind had created that was perpetuating a narrative of separation. Uh, and it was just a story that my mind had created. And you held a container in some of the one-on-one work that we did for me to just be all of me. And kind of let the the chaos just be witnessed. And then through that container of just being, I was able to start to come into more of a sense of order internally and harmony internally. And that's what I've been uh, expressing in my creativity. So I love this question around the weird. It's a beautiful thing. Mm, I I really like that. And I appreciate that I could be a part of that in some way. Because I think that's what a lot of us crave. We, we crave being held in a safe space, for lack of more alternative words, that allow us to organize that which is chaotic in ourselves. And furthermore, to simply allow that chaos to be expressed even though we know there is an order behind it and something that I'm referring to. And I think I've, I actually shared this on a different uh, podcast with somebody that I was talking to. I, I said, you know, I, I was going to therapy and even in therapy, I held back on saying certain things because I knew that after I said them, I would be like, well, that's not really true. It's just something that I'm thinking right now, but it's not who I am or what I believe in. And the allowing yourself to say the crazy thing, to do the crazy thing, uh, to say something that you're not is actually a catalyst for allowing you to see what you truly are. And the fact that you were able to, 
you know, share the things without the fear of knowing uh, that that which you were expressing was not in order uh, is very inspiring. And actually, one of the reasons I want to talk to you, and uh, I feel like I would be jumping too far ahead right now, but uh, it makes sense because when I look at uh, your background and I see some of your art, it's clear that you are expressing order uh, that if you just looked at the individual pieces uh, could be almost chaotic in in, in nature, uh, which also has a lot to do with your art. You, you have nature and order and uh, th things that we can talk about. Anyways, I, I'm getting ahead. Uh, random question. Are you an artist? I am an artist. Wonderful. Are you well fed? Ooh, am I well fed? Ooh, how are we defining fed? Are I you starving? This. Oh, Carl, I'm so glad you're bringing this in. <laughs> I'm so glad you're bringing this in, right? The narrative of starving artists. Carl, okay, so I got to share with you that this is my 12th year in business as an artist. And this might be jumping ahead a little bit, but short answer to your question is I am feeling more in alignment with what prosperity really is for me than I've ever felt in my life. And a lot of what I've been doing is actually utilizing my business and utilizing the individual components of my business as containers for training my nervous system to feel like it's actually safe to have fun and to trust that the more joy and play that I bring into my life, it's not just safe to do that, but it, it, it fuels me and it gives me the sense where like the line between work and play is, it, it's all kind of the same thing now. And I like a victory that I have, Carl, in relation to your question is like, wow, this is the most successful year that I've had when I look at the numbers with my art. And even more so, December, you know, this is like the time in my business. I'm feeling more relaxed, more at ease, more in flow, more available for connection and spontaneity than ever before. And I am well nourished in all the areas. And it's, this is something that I've really been focusing on for, for a while. And it's, it's really yielding. I mean, you can feel it when you're around me. I feel so good. So yeah, we can dive into the starving artist thing all you, all you want. I, I feel so passionate about this. Mm, I really like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I truly believe that the creative uh, can be very successful in the system that we currently uh, live in and have financial resources, uh, access uh, to many things. And I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about exploring how people got there. So for you... You're an artist and you're not starving. You're well-fed, you're well-nourished, you feel good. You've been in business for 12 years. Does an artist need to be, and I, I, it's a strong word to say need to be, but is it is it required for an artist to be a business person to be successful? Well, how are they defining success, first of all? I think they need to start there. Um, it can be whatever they want. And this is the beautiful thing, right? We're engaging as artists our imagination. And also, we are inevitably uh, engaging our ability to focus and concentrate. 
So when we marry focus and concentration with active imagination, we can create whatever we want to create. So I think it can be really helpful to, first of all, give yourself permission to play with like, what is success for me? And if that seems too existential, which it was for me for a long time, I would just shut down and collapse. Like, you mean I have to have an answer to this? Like, I don't even like play with what is success in the next month? How did, like, what am I doing? Who am I spending time with? How am I feeling? How am I feeding myself? And, and then like from that definition of success, okay, so how does creative practice align with this? And if part of the definition of success has to do with financial freedom, I mean, we can really break it down further, but I'm curious what's coming up for you as I'm reflecting this, because I know you have so much wisdom to share on this. I mean, I, I, as you're speaking, I'm actually allowing myself to just kind of drift into thought uh, mm-hmm. and not even thinking about our conversation because what you're sharing is so important and play is key. How, how do we play as adults without being ashamed of what we look like or, yes. <laughs> or, or do? Because I'm constantly like, uh, yeah. I don't want to show that side of me. It feels a little ridiculous. But when I'm around, yeah. when I'm around, for example, my grandson, it's very easy to be playful. And then yeah. if there is, there's an adult in the room that sees me being silly with my grandson, I don't mind. But if it's around other adults, all of a sudden I'm like, well, shouldn't I be you know, put together and proper and not be playful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad you're bringing this question in because it shows up all over the place and uh, it might not seem this way, but for, for me to, I've really been developing this, giving myself permission to play, to allow this childlike aspect to express, like this has been very intentional and cultivated. And so the question then becomes, It's a lot about, for me, what's been helpful and what I've seen with other people is practicing having little time-bound containers to allow just a little bit of movement, a little bit of uh, just something that you do for even if all it is, is if you always go on the same walking path, maybe you just choose to go on another path that day. And as adults, it can be so difficult to allow and value time with so much, you know, responsibilities, things that need to get taken care of to allow time for play. Like it doesn't make sense to the logical mind. It just doesn't. And so, I mean, for me, Carl, something that I've been meeting progressively uh, more and more so is just how much judgment and shame and criticism I had for the part of me that just wants to express and play. And I was shaming her for a long time. And like, I couldn't be bothered really. Um, So something that's been helpful for me is playing with time-bound containers, playing with time-bound containers to, you know, take yourself on a date once a week for an hour. Or if you don't have an hour, find a half hour. Do something fun without any um, pressure to perform or even, you know, like do it for someone else. You know, this is just things that you do for yourself that bring you some element of joy. And then we could go further into how I've been like, further encouraging time-bound containers within all of this, but something about knowing, okay, I'm going to do this for a certain amount of time and just see how this one change uh, is perhaps supporting me in known or unknown ways. How do we really know unless we actually apply these things that we're hearing that other people are saying is helpful? How do I really know unless I actually commit to it and give it the good, you know, the good effort? 
and that's where so much innovation is born, right? It's born in play. We're, we're not so attached to the, a certain way of thinking. We tend to open up and a lot of the, the subconscious stuff, it kind of gets released and uh, we're more able to access intuition and, and all these beautiful things. Mm. And it's so good for our well-being, our health, you know, our, our immune system benefits. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with those things. And um, I don't think I have enough knowledge on how intuition and being guided by intuition positively affects your immune system. But I do believe that to be uh, true. Regardless, something that came up for me uh, is several things. You're hitting on many points and it's, it's fun. But you made me remember that in 2013, when we first met, I was very tired of constantly performing. Yes. Right. Performance is exhausting. Yet I care about high level performance. In fact, when I see your paintings and your art in the back, I can see that there is a high level of performance execution in the way that that is presented. And you've shown your process for creating too, which makes sense. But it starts with play. These containers, and I, I love that. Uh, how do we uh, make performance more playful and uh, give people access to performance through play? Uh, we got the containers. We can take you know alternative paths to get to places. But are there any technical things that you do in your practice or when you work with people that allow people to let go of how they think they should be doing things and start doing things the way that they intuitively or naturally are yeah able to yeah oh i love this question it's so substantive and i love that you're bringing us here because as soon as that word performance came out of my mouth i'm like we're, we're going into this mm -hmm. um so the first thing is awareness right awareness and this has been a big part of my journey i actually kind of reinvented my whole relationship with with making art and with my business from the inside out, once I became so much more aware of how so much of what I was doing was there was this underlying need to be accepted or need to be liked or need to make a certain amount of money, like the very externally driven. So awareness that there might be some people pleasing or sort of seeking validation outside of oneself, I think is a good place to ground within and at the same time uh being willing to i i think anyone who's curious about what was your question again how do we bring more yeah like how, how can you so let's say you're doing a corporate gig or whatever and you're working with yeah. people and you know that everybody who's in a corporation or an organization is supposed to be performing well in their roles uh, yeah. And then they, they've kind of maybe built up this character and this identity. Right. And then maybe you're doing some group stuff and you're like, well, uh, let me help you through whatever it is that you're teaching in those in those sessions. Yeah. Uh, get access to a new level of understanding of performance through play. Is there anything practical that one does? Is there a way of thinking about it? And I know it starts with awareness, like you just said, but uh, yeah. I'm curious to hear where your mind goes. Yeah, I love this. Okay, so we want to kind of get beneath the the thinking mind or the overanalyzing, right? And so very simple ways that we can open up to more uh, expansive ways of 
uh, thinking is just doing something differently. So for example, uh, sometimes we'll put on a song, it's usually classical music, and uh, we'll ask people to close their eyes and take a pencil and paper and just put your hand on the page and then how does your hand want to respond to the sounds that are coming through? Uh, this is a really beautiful way to get people uh, to break up that density of the analysis paralysis. Like this should, like I'm not an artist. What are you talking about? Blah, blah. And it's just a way to get energy and motion, right? You're talking about this all the time. It's movement. And so just moving Music can evoke uh, movement, right? We can dance, we can move, but the eyes closed drawing and also um, non-dominant hand drawing, just really mixing things up in a way that it's really hard to take yourself seriously when you're scribbling across a page and you look at it and it's like, okay, I just did a thing. Um, or you're drawing with a non-dominant hand and it's like, oh, wow, I've been taking this. You know, For me, I would often approach art as like, it has to be so so rigid, <laughs> so rigid. It's like you can relax a little bit. So these are some really easy ways to kind of break up that rigidity. And and also, I think as a leader, just modeling um, levity, people attune to however the leader is allowing themselves to kind of show up from a self-regulated place. So we can have mm. a lot of fun with that. Yep, yep. I love that. Uh, you know, something that came up for me was one. I wanted to try that. I was like, oh, immediately I wanted to, okay, once we're done with this, I'm going to give that a shot. In fact, my my whole desk here is is a whiteboard. So I could use like, you know, dry erase and 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 do that. And I have space, which is cool. Yeah. So that's one thing that came up for me. The the other thing that came up for me was I I uh I don't know if you've seen the the new documentary on Netflix. Uh it's, I think it's called Stutz. It's uh Jonah Hill's, it's about Jonah Hill's wow. therapist. And uh, without, uh, you know, uh, telling people everything about the story, basically, this therapist has Parkinson's and he likes to draw these little uh, on these little note cards. Uh, and he's basically drawing tools that the the client or patient can can use. And because he has Parkinson's, uh, the way that he writes is very unique. It's a little shaky. He, he, he writes in, in block letters. Uh, but it looks super beautiful. It looks amazing, aesthetically super appealing, very unique, very identifiable. It's like signature, like pure signature. And I think that is something that when an individual can find their signature expression, their way of doing things, and especially when you get to see it materialized on a canvas, for example, or in a sculpture or in a product or and just your writing. There's something very empowering that comes from that. Have you personally um, found that you have a way of moving, maybe like when you're painting, like a, 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 a is there a technique that has become unique to yours? Do you have a signature style? And if so, what was it like finding that? How did you feel about it? Uh, did you even notice it? Or did somebody else point it out for you? What, what, mm. what was that like? I love this question. I, I love your questions. So what I've learned about myself and what I'm continuing to learn is there are a couple different creative processes that I have that serve different components that meet different needs within me. 
And I realize, and I've, I've come to see how when I'm allowing myself to create very sort of flowing and free form, uh, where I'll, I'll lay down sort of just a, a wash of color. Uh, and there's a lot of uh, release of energy in that just kind of like, let's get some color on the page. And then I love connecting with, with symbolic representations of things that I, qualities or attributes that I want to encourage within myself. So this is one style that I have that as I do it for my own inspiration, it's almost like I'm generating more of the energy that I'm able to give out because it just brings me so much joy. And then there's also uh, more of a uh, geometric, mathematical part of me that I resisted for a really long time. My mind had created all these stories around rulers and measuring and why do I, I don't want anything to do with it. But when I let myself lean into that resistance and started playing with a compass and protractor, I realized like, oh my God, this feels so good to, to find accurate, precise, um, which I could easily do with technology, but there's something about uh, the process of discovering it by hand that feels so gratifying for me. So playing with uh, more, more geometric forms as they look like in these mandalas um, has also been something that I've been working with as a tool to further encourage. Again, it, it's all like I create the art and the art creates me and it's, it's a dynamic relationship. So there's the free flowing and there's the uh, geometry and I'm excited to see how the two want to intersect more and more in the year ahead. Mm, I love that. I love that. And I think that is something really powerful that you're tapping into here, which is this idea that just because one has a signature style or let's say a brush stroke or a way of applying color or whatever it may be that is signature to you, it doesn't mean it can't fit within some kind of uh, structure, system. You can even put it in a box. And in this case, it's uh, is a mandala sacred geometry? Yeah, we can call it that. Okay, so what what is a mandala? What is sacred geometry? What is that structure? Why that structure? Let's just go crazy with this. Tell me, tell me everything you know. Oh my goodness! Uh, <clears throat> well, I'll tell you everything I don't know. It's very okay. Mysterious. Okay, let's start with that. Let's start with that. What don't you know? Um, what what's so mysterious to me is how this particular process. Every time I go in, I get to this place where. Um, and this is what I love so much. And there's been a lot of research that supports actually. So what I'm about to share with you is when I, when I go into these mandala practices, I kind of get beyond any sense of time. I'm in this timeless state and I'm aware that I'm aware that I'm in a timeless state. And oftentimes what happens is I'll, I'll get this reminder to myself that, uh, we're on a journey. This is a journey and there's no need to rush. There's no need to rush this journey. I don't want to rush this journey as much as it's easier to want to lean into certain elements of the journey. Ultimately, every part of the journey is it's happening and I want to be present for it fully. So 
it's interesting. We can look at some research. I forget which um, university studied this, but if we look at coloring as uh, a tool for art therapy, uh, and coloring has been shown to reduce um, high blood pressure, we can, um, I know, is good for our immune system. Uh, and it's uh, a way that we can actually induce uh, alpha brainwave states, which is when our subconscious mind is more suggestible uh, to. Uh, true and accurate thinking patterns. So I'm actually working a lot with affirmations and intention, uh, getting into the subconscious mind through mandalas. So I'll bring an intention in. What is it that I'm intending? What is it that I want to further encourage within myself, right? But something about the, the circular form in particular has shown um, to... There, there have been studies on this and how working within a circular shape, you're just coloring in. That's all we're doing. You don't have to get the protractor out if you don't want to. But it's helped people find more levels of calm, um, lowered reduction of depression and anxiety, things like this. And if we think about it, I mean, the circle is really representative. Uh, I mean, it's symbolic of completion right? It's symbolic of unity. And it takes us to almost this pre-verbal place where before we were using language spoken, we were working with symbols, right? And so Carl Jung, the Swiss psychoanalyst, he, um, he started to observe within himself as well as within his patients that when people were going through times of just like order or, or chaos rather, and like major transitions, you know, what we've all been through collectively these past three few years, he started to notice within himself as well as with his, within his patients that they would naturally gravitate towards this circular form as a way of declaring a point through which the chaos could then self-organize, right? So it's we create these visual representations of the order that we're creating within ourselves. And also, you know, something like a mandala, we develop an ability to focus and to concentrate. And then as the brainwaves slow down, we're also more able to access our imaginative faculty, right? So again, imagination and concentration, we really, like, we can learn so much about ourselves within the process. Mm -hmm. And one other thing I'll share too is, like, I, I've noticed in my own process, just being aware that I'm aware, like seeing, you know, the, the inner critic, like, oh, you should do it this way. Says who? Let me reprogram that. Actually, no, I can have fun. Like I can do whatever I want. I can create whatever I want to create and have that reflected back to me. And um, yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Mm, very beautiful thing. And it got me kind of thinking when you brought up Carl Jung and all these things, just the word itself. So uh, I assume mandala is uh, Sanskrit. Yes. And man is mind. What is dala? Is it flower or Ooh. what is it? Do we know? This is a great question. It feels like it wants to be, but yeah. that that I don't know. We're going to have yeah. to look it up. I wish I had yeah. somebody that could look it up for us right now. I know. We're, we're going to have to do this later. Uh, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's something. Mon oh. is mine. Yeah, go it's ahead. Circle. Sac it's sacred circle. Well, the way I understand it is sacred circle, but mon and mind make a lot of sense. So mm -hmm. sacred and mind, circle. Interesting. Because is it, isn't it a, a mantra is the release of the mind? Right. Yes. So uh, mandala. Anyways, yeah, we don't know uh, uh, enough Sanskrit to know what mandala is, but it, it's definitely a geometrical shape 
And and why why the mandala for you? Um, because I do believe there are other sacred geometrical shapes that are interesting or or patterns rather that are interesting. Why why the mandala for you? Yeah, well, the way that I understand it is there are an infinite number of expressions within a circle. So we can have an infinite number of patterns within a circle. And what I love so much about, there's a particular form that I've dialed into that it connects very well with, you know, the mantra. So in, in yoga, we have the mala beads, for example, and there's 108 of them. And I've been really curious to explore how does the number 108, which has a lot of really interesting cosmic correlations, um, how does that uh, express itself visually within a circle, right? So there's something about the, the sense of completion, wholeness, uh, unity, uh, as well as containment that's been really fun for me to, to explore. Um, so I forget what your question was, but clearly the fact that I forget means something good. Why the mandala? But that, that makes sense. I, I really like that the circle holds the infinite number of expressions. It's kind of like the the start and the the end. It's the con, the container, and within yeah. that container, you can you can add certain things. This is what's interesting to me uh, when it comes to some of uh, your work is that you you have been able to blend um, structure and artistic expression and you've it's kind of like you've started at the 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 base this is the geometrical shape but then you create from there like it, it becomes this like foundation for creating and that you've tapped into uh nature and a little bit of numerology i guess so you said 108 um and and that is kind of bringing out this information that you uh allows you to access these ideas or these these uh, moments of clarity. So before we get into the moments of clarity, I'm curious about this number 108. What's what's the deal with the 108? What can you tell us about that? Okay, so 108. Well, when we look at the mala in yoga and the, and the beads, there's 108 beads on there. And this number has correlations between the sun, the moon, and the earth. So I believe it's the circumference of the, it's either the circumference or diameter of the sun is 108 times that of the earth with, within a few degrees of variance. And same thing with the moon and the earth. So, uh, it, there's, um, uh, there, there's a lot of intrigue for me around this number and how so many people throughout so many generations have been connecting with a certain uh, number of repetitions as a way to um, further encourage more of what they're aligning with within themselves. And mm. there's something about collective practice that's exciting to me. Um, and it, it's, it's a fun thing to explore. Mm, I like that. I like that. Anyways, we'll, we'll have to look into the number 108 a little bit more and see see what comes. But the clarity of ideas. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed in talking to you and especially talking to you today is that you have uh, great clarity in that what you do. And there are very few people who are able to express what they do, especially uh, artists can struggle with um, coming coming to a place that is uh, universal in nature, 
uh, or or specific enough even, which is kind of the opposite side of the spectrum, that allows people to understand it. Like they can see art, uh, but then they talk to an artist and the artist is incapable of, of expressing the process behind the scenes. Mm. And I've just noticed that you, you're very capable of, of kind of sharing what is happening here in, in, in the background. And I'm, I'm curious if, if that's something that when you were in school as a kid, uh, if you liked drawing or, or writing or, or whatever it was, that you realized uh, was kind of a superpower of yours? Or was it uh, perceived as a weakness? This is a, I'm going to keep saying this is a great question. I, I've been so excited that's, about that's this conversation three. because, because <laughs> you, you ask such good questions. And it's really, um, it's connecting me with something that feels really important to share in that, and you've been supporting me with this. I'm not sure if you're aware how much our conversations that we've had here and there have supported this. Um, but for a long time, my mind had created a story that said, you don't know how to express what you're doing. And so I was just accepting that belief as true for a long time. And I was at war with myself for a very long time. So just allowing myself to suggest uh, the true and accurate thinking pattern that uh, I create art and I express it. And when I show up, people are interested and ready to receive. And I communicate. I allow myself to express. These are all things that I've been working on within myself that I was so unaware of for so long. Um, and uh, I had a lot of shame, honestly, like debilitating shame. Uh, and I, I really collapsed into myself. I had some very, very dark times in art school. Um, and before that and, and after that, and I'm excited to be talking with you because I know if I've had those, um, those, those periods of deep self-doubt or just being at war inside of myself as a creative person, if I've been able to create a sense of peace and harmony and order within myself, I know other people can do it. And, um, and that's really exciting to me. Um, Mm. I mean, this whole narrative of, of the suffering artist or the starving artist, it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It's, mm -hmm. you know, what am I saying I am too? But again, I forget what your question was. <laughs> it doesn't even matter what Which the question was, so was. I think what you yeah. just expressed is, is, is perfectly uh, beautiful the, the way it is. And we don't have to even go any further. What did, yeah. did you go to? Did you end up uh, going to college? Uh, what did you study? Did you specialize in anything? Yes. So... I went to uh, a state school. I went to UMass Amherst um, on a scholarship uh, and I transferred out. I, I thought I didn't belong there and I transferred out and went to an art school, got to art school, uh, felt like I didn't belong there. So I transferred back and it was this period of just this perpetual kind of progression of feeling like I wasn't deserving of the scholarship, feeling like an imposter of having the scholarship. And then it was fear of losing the money. So I was really operating in survival when I was in college. And that continued afterwards. And I wasn't aware consciously of any of this. I was just really kind of collapsed into myself. And it was at that point in my life where I found yoga. It was 2005. And that was the first 
thing that helped me kind of lift out of this really dark spiral. And now, you know, I'm incorporating yogic practices and, and yoga into um, my lifestyle and my creativity. Um, mm-hmm. So it came in at just the right time. Nice. And how yeah. does a yo- how does a yogi uh, go into CrossFit or come to a muscle up master class <laughs> with somebody <laughs> like me? Oh my gosh, I love this question. So quickly, how I got into CrossFit, I was doing the yoga. This is so superficial how I get into CrossFit, but here it is. Um, I was doing the yoga, I was doing the running, and I had my whole routine, whatever. And I noticed that I was getting to a point where my clothes weren't fitting and I didn't want to buy new clothes. <laughs> so <Okay>. I thought, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, I need to do something else and I don't know what it is. So someone brought me to a CrossFit class and here's where it gets exciting. When I saw people doing pull-ups, I immediately thought like, that's so cool, but I could never do that. When I saw people climbing ropes, women, I thought that is so amazing. And I, I feel it right now in my body. I feel that anxiety that I felt walking into that room. But CrossFit was the first place where I started using my body to create evidence in my brain of a new narrative. So I was suddenly, real, suddenly starting to realize just how much my mind had been limiting me, saying I couldn't do certain things. And then here I am doing the things that my mind said I could never do. And so it was that that got me to start asking well, if I've been saying I can't do this and this, how else have I been limiting myself in my life? And that question uh, has been such a thrilling question to live into. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it, it's really led me on the path of becoming a, a creator uh, from within, creating and aligning with like the true and accurate thinking as opposed to the stories and the beliefs and all the baggage that everybody has. Yeah. So that that's how I ended up in New York because I was so excited about I want to share this with other women especially and help them start to establish that sense of esteem that I was beginning to establish within myself through that mm. practice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Very cool. Now, going into your career, let's call it. Uh when you graduated from college, what did you do then? When I graduated from college, and it kind of connects beautifully with what I've been really working within over the last few years in terms of reconditioning my relationship with work. But when I graduated from college, I was working 80-hour work weeks, four different jobs. um, And I was so motivated to pay off my loans. Even though I had all this scholarship money, there was still a lot. So like that, that was the mentality that I was in. Um, and I was working really hard. And I also started dating someone my last semester in college. Uh, and it was a long distance relationship of a couple hours, which felt like long distance for me. Um, but I was working, just paying off my bills. And then uh, I decided to get married. So, yeah. So I went on that journey. And that, that decision, um, and I was, how old was I? Yeah, I, I I moved out of my parents' house and I moved in with my fiance. And wow. uh, yeah, it was it was a leap of faith and it, it brought me to where uh, the area that I'm living now. Um, I was living outside of Providence, Rhode Island, and now I'm living in Providence, and mm-hmm. I love it here. Yeah, that's very cool. And yeah. uh, when did you did you start teaching yoga uh, early on, or how did that come into your world? 
so as much, well, it's interesting that you asked this question because in my still developing brain, when I graduated college, I thought that I had two directions that I could go in. I thought one direction was go become a yoga teacher or pursue this relationship and establish a sense of safety in mm. a marriage that, that like my mind couldn't see anything other than that. And so I, I chose a path that I did and I still really wanted to become a yoga teacher, but I was afraid of going to the training because I knew that the training was going to show me more of who I really am. And I wasn't ready to meet that because I knew that that would mean big changes. And I was afraid of change. I was terrified of it. Um, so the year that I separated in 2014 was when I finally went to yoga school and I also started traveling by myself um, and my job changed and I had all these huge changes and it was so expansive. Um, and that's when I started connecting back with my art again. I started mm. climbing mountains. It was, yeah, it was a big year. Okay. So basically from the time you graduated to the time that you started your uh, kind of yoga journey where now you said, okay, I'm going to actually try to pursue this a little bit more seriously. You, you didn't do any art? Oh, I was doing, we'll call it craft. So when, my, when I started my business in 2010, I found a niche and the niche was painting uh, on silk, painting silk scarves. And it's interesting, this whole process of silk painting, uh, it kind of connects these two pathways that we're talking about, right? The fluid, free flowing. And then there's also different ways that you can work with silk painting to get that structure and form and the precision that's really gratifying. Um, so when I moved to Providence, I started volunteering at a children's museum, made a couple friends who were interested in entrepreneurship and creativity. And we took a creativity entrepreneurship class. It was called Indie Biz 2.0. Uh, <laughs> nice. Indie <laughs> yeah. Biz 2.0. That's a great name. It was an amazing class. And I learned so much about, you know, how to run an online business, brick and mortar festivals. So I was doing festivals like all over, um, doing my Etsy sales. And I was actually kind of burying myself in the business. It was just like, I had a lot going on and the business was where I was channeling a lot of that energy. Um, so I was being creative and yet I was also limiting myself because the, the story that my mind said was, you can only be creative if you're going to make a certain amount of money and this is what we know sells. So just do this. And mm -hmm. I played a little bit with like some images that really wanted to come out of me. And they're some of my most beloved that I've ever created. Um, so that's what was going on then. Wow. Yeah. That, that is so cool. And you know, uh, uh, selfishly, this is what, what has come up for me is that I too know what sells in the industry that I'm in. And I'm, I, I know that if I just do the generic thing that I can produce something that, uh, in terms of resources and some finances is kind of nice, but I just know that that's not the way. And I'm, I am personally struggling right now with this, this uh, uh, idea of like setting myself free and just saying, fuck it. Like, I'm not, I just, I'm just not the generic thing. I'm this other thing that is similar maybe to the generic thing, but it's, it's signature to me. Uh, and I know that that's where I, I need to live. And the internal dialogue is is one that you you you've experienced. You just shared, uh, 
but there, there, there are moments, the baseline is clarity. It's like, don't pursue the generic thing. Do this thing that you know is, is you 100% and allow all the stuff that is unknown to just kind of unfold as you go. Uh, but I'm curious about you in, in your business specifically. What was it that allowed you to make that click over and say, okay, this thing sells. Yeah, it's, it's mine. I've created it. Yes, signature, but it's, it's not the complete picture. I need to go one step further. What mm. was it? Was it a moment? Was it a, a thought? Uh, do you remember that? Yeah, this is great. Um, and everybody's different. And I'm, I'm curious to hear more about your process, Carl. Um, so with, with the click, it was, I actually had a lot of help because my whole life changed and I, I left where I was living. I left the marriage, all that, and all this newness. And within that process, the business just kind of fell to the wayside. Um, and even like the studio, there's a lot of like gear and, and stuff that you need for this craft process. So my, my external environment changing was really supporting the, sh the progression that I was coming for me, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but I would say more recently, like getting into the more subtle dynamics of this, um, it's been less of a one click and more of a, like, can I play for the next month? And, and honestly, it started with when I asked myself, can I play for the next month with just focusing on the one thing that I really, really, really deeply desire to express? And I really had to see just how much um, limitation my mind had around that because it was still saying, well, how can you just make art? You need to be focusing on curriculum development and all this stuff. And, and for a while, Carl, I had to take it like three days at a time can I just go three days with letting myself focus on this one thing? Can I make it a month? And it was really helpful for me to take a look at the numbers and ask myself, you know, if everything stopped, if everything were to stop, how, how long could I realistically go just allowing myself to play? Okay. So maybe I'll, I'll do a third of that and maybe I'll like have that again, you know, just like really small incremental. And then, you know, if I'm going to commit for three days, I have to really be all in, right? I can't just like say I'm going to do this, but then like be in the state of like, but what are the other people doing? And look outside of myself again. So it's really been this. And, and you talk about all the time, this process of deconditioning and reconditioning. And so for me, it's, it's these incremental progressions of how does it actually feel in my body? Like, mm -hmm. can I feel safe enough to just be myself? Mm. Right. There's like we can I can have these thoughts all day, but if my body isn't on board with it, there's a dissonance that's happening and just getting the body to relax. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like that's a point of connection with us because it's it's the body that gives us the information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And uh, that is really cool. I, I really like this idea of these like little time pockets that are safe and that allow you to to do that. And for you, it was maybe justifying like, do I have the funds or means or time resources to do this for three days and just really allow myself to focus? And once you had established like a safety bubble, then yeah. you could totally commit. Uh, is that is that what I'm hearing? Is that, am I hearing that correctly? Yeah, thanks. You're helping to bring the rest of the thought to completion. Yeah, so playing with these time-bound containers progressively allowed me 
to kind of redefine my whole relationship with create creative expression mm. so that I, I was able to kind of flip into because what I was seeing was happening was as I allowed myself to really dial into what I really, really, really wanted to do mm-hmm. energetically my vibration, like you can feel, right? When somebody's lit up, you can feel it. And that's what I was focusing on. I was kind of attuning myself. So interestingly, opportunities started to flow in from sources known and unknown. And I was like, this is pretty amazing. Um, Wow, I can go six months. Can I go another six months? And so as I've been doing this progression, uh, the the life that I have envisioned for myself and the lifestyle has aligned with it as I've allowed myself to align with it. Does that make sense? 100%. 100%. Although it may sound fluffy to people or just out there, it it's it, what you're saying is that w- once you chose to do the thing that was most alive in you and truest to you, you were able to produce something that was really meaningful and, uh, even without people maybe seeing yes. your work, you were already attracting, I guess, uh, opportunities. Or uh, maybe somebody will call it coincidence. Regardless, yeah. this this has happened. And something that I think you have done, and I'd love to hear if this is true or not, but my my, my from what I know and what I perceive is that you have been able to weave those two things together, your craft and uh, taking advantage, so to speak, of the opportunities that have come your way. You've been able to weave those kind of together. And I'm curious uh, how you have chosen to do that. Like what what opportunities do you say yes to? What opportunities do you say no to? When do you say, screw it, I'm going to create the opportunity myself? Yeah. How how does that kind of organize in your mind? And I'm so curious to, to hear your response to this as well, uh, because the sense that I get is a point of connection that we share is we, sh- we share this desire to learn about ourselves and our relationship with the world and how we contribute. And so for me, there has always been this, this intrinsic motivation that for a long time uh, I had a lot of shame around like there was a narrative saying like, how can you be so self-centered, Joanna? And giving myself permission to evolve um, beyond that narrative has allowed me to see how with intrinsic motivation, there is an inevitable contribution that is happening. And some people are more extrinsically motivated and that's okay too. But, and it sounds really selfish, or maybe it's self-full, but uh, opportunities that are going to allow me to grow is what drives me more than anything. And not just grow, but like, who do I, who, like, who am I and who do I want to become more of? What do I want to encourage more of in my life? And let me align my life and my lifestyle around these opportunities. And just kind of releasing a lot of the self-judgment and the shame around wanting to, to, Evolve my own self in contribution has been very, very freeing. And I'm mm. curious how you relate with that. Yeah, I, I relate um, wholeheartedly with that because everything that I do is first by feel. 
and if it feels right, then I now start to look at the uh, kind of nuanced uh, backdrop of the whole thing. So let's say uh, somebody comes to me and says, hey, I would like to do a collaboration with you. Uh, we're working on this project. Would you like to be involved? Uh, if if my gut says, yeah, this is awesome, then I pursue it. But then if I see that the mechanics of it just doesn't fit the way that I'm currently operating or the way that I um, have seen myself uh, better myself uh, in the process, then I either uh, encourage the possibility of changing the way that the collaboration was initially uh, kind of a approached. Uh, and if not, then it's a, it's a no. So it, it has to be uh, equal parts feeling, but the feeling has to come first and mechanics. The, the mechanics of it has to match where I can be my best self. Yeah. And if uh, that that doesn't exist, then, then the answer is no. And what I've realized is that the more I lean into this more like true, authentic side of myself and my expression, uh, the narrower the funnel becomes, but it becomes more impactful. And something that I battle is as I see the funnel kind of narrow, uh, I start to become a little bit scarce in my mindset when I'm basing um, my life on performance. But when I base it on creativity, I'm like, whoa, I'm not, I'm this narrow focus, this narrow funnel allows me to like really be the the creator that I can be, the the I can express the artistry that I know I have at my disposal better. But I I, I struggle with that. And actually one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast is because I want to continue to explore what is that funnel, what is that path, what is that way? And uh, how can I connect with people like yourself? to allow me to better see that. So this is also a very selfish endeavor for me. I'm like, I want to talk to Joanna because she knows something that I think I know, but I don't know how to uh, express just yet, or I haven't found my lane fully. I'm, I'm, I'm in that. I'm kind of like locking myself in. I don't know if that even makes sense, but uh, that's, how, that's how I am currently working it. Can I reflect something back to you? Please. So... I believe that you have reflected to me uh, what the opportunity is. And within that, I also believe there are infinite opportunities. But something that connects us, it goes back to the body. It goes back to feeling. And something that you are able to do for others is help people connect with the felt sensation of their body of, is this a yes? Or does the resistance come in? For example, um, I, uh, surprising, I was like, who is this Joanna showing up? But there were a number of big opportunities that came into my field this year that didn't feel like a yes, that I practiced um, allowing to uh, let go of because it, it wasn't feeling in alignment. And and this leading from, you know, performance is based by feel. I feel like people are so hungry for that. And you can understand, I can understand it cognitively, but to actually practice being in the body and knowing what that feel is like, people feel it when they're connecting with you, when they're listening to you and they see it, they feel it inside of themselves. And then they go out and they do the thing. 
So uh, I'm so excited to see, like to witness the, the, the continued evolution and your interface. Um, uh, I know I, I just go on and on and on about it and I do it for a genuine appreciation. I'm a, I'm a lover of learning and uh, that program really brought me, I was, I was ripe for it, put it that way. Mm. And I was ready to show up and, um, and the, the level of presence uh, and wisdom that you uh, provide uh, and space that you hold and the opportunities for people that are ready to be challenged to lean into that. It's beautiful because just like with CrossFit, there's a progression and you can really take this as far as you want. But people who are really hungry to like know themselves and to, to walk out of there a month later and have a new perspective on life, they're going to get it. And I, I, it was just, I mean, I could go on and on about it. I know we're at, uh, yeah. So no, it's, it's, it's amazing. (laughs) I, yeah, I'll take, I'll take, I'll take the, the testimonial. It's, it's amazing. And I really appreciate that. And, and something that I, uh, you know, I've told this story before, but, um, the truth is that, uh, anytime I'm doing something new or I'm trying to level myself up, in any realm of my life, I'm always uh, worried. I'm always a little concerned. I have anxiety. I'm uncertain. There's a lot of stuff that I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. But it's it's part of my process. I I, I just do better when I feel like I'm uh, a shit show inside. Okay, it, it's like I don't I don't know why it is, but maybe it's just my conditioning or the way that I've I've done things. And in ways it has limited me, but in other ways, what it's allowed me to do is to take this uh, extreme ownership that once the day comes, competition day, seminar day, interface day, uh, podcast day, I'm going to show up fully and I'm going to kill it. Yes. Like, I'm going to fully own whatever I have learned and I'm going to be so present, so laser focused, so ready that people are going to look at me and be like, holy shit, this person just has it all figured out and they are dialed. I want to be like that. And um, yeah, I think that's the performer in me. I just know how to show up on game day really well. But now there's something that I've been working with for for years. I mean, I would say the last eight years is the subtle nature of how dramatic emotions can be, our inner dialogue can be, and allow that subtlety to just kind of come out a little bit every day and to maybe be amplified on a game day that is kind of, let's focus in, let's narrow in, let's create a product, let's do a thing. And, and and that kind of being a little bit more fluid than it's been in the past. Before I was like down here, up here, down here, up here. But my body just started to go in decline. And now that I'm 40, I'm, I, I'm, my body is a little bit more sensitive. I feel like I need to start to bring my body up. And I can only do that by bringing these peaks and valleys to a, a, a little bit more of a, a regulated, softer incline. And in order to do that, I need to be more subtle. And that subtlety, I believe, being like a dial that gives you access to like a vibe, a frequency, a message. It's just like when you, you know, you were saying earlier, playing classical music and then allowing yourself to scribble away. Yeah. 
yeah, anyways, uh, that's me just rambling about myself and my process. Uh, and I think one of the things that I guess I'm I, I want to get to is 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 that I'm encouraged by hearing you and your process because it allows me to take even more ownership of mine, which is is impactful. And um, and kind of segueing from from there, uh, I, let's just say I feel good uh, talking to you and hearing you, and I feel like wow, this is cool. It's a great mirror that allows me to see parts of myself that you know I don't get to see every single day, or at least uh, I don't notice uh, that I'm seeing every day. Um, as we as we're like slowly wrapping up here, but I'm I'm curious, what what are you excited about these days? Like what what are you like? Whoa, this is I, I feel good about this, or doing this is awesome, or this is a project I've just worked on and it's uh, it's the best thing I've done in a while. This is great. I love love this question. I think that's number four four loves of the questions. Um, f- first of all, if I may quickly reflect, I what I sense in your share and what I see in myself at the same time is also uh, this, this progression of, of learning to trust oneself and to trust in, I mean, creativity, to developing a relationship of, of trusting in creativity has been a big part of my journey. And, and the project that I'm most excited about is, uh, is a project that I created um, for the purpose initially of further developing myself. I was seeing some patterns playing out that I was like, well, that's, that's something I want to transcend and I want to transcend this through a process. And so similar to you, you know, you, you set the goal, you set the vision for the performance or the uh, experience and you know, or I'll speak for myself, I, I know that every time I set a goal, it takes me on a journey. Just like an interface, we go on this journey and things are revealed that once we're unconscious and every time there's this revealing, right, we're more at choice with how we want to be in relationship to it. We can tweak it. We can define it. And so this project, um, it's, it's a retrospective of the last 12 years of my life. Um, it's, a, it's a bunch of beautiful cards, uh, artwork cards. This is the, the front and then there's cards on the back. And so... Uh, what's so interesting to me about this process, which again began so intrinsically, I was just like, I need something to do for myself. And there was so much guilt and shame around, like, how could it just be so self-serving? Joanna, stop it. That's mm-hmm. Once I just let that voice, like, have a bag of chips and go to the beach, like, okay, <clears throat> let's get down to work. Like, come on. The initial... Um, vision that I had for this was like go to Staples and make 10 copies and stuff them in bags and give them to friends. Like that was reflective of the self image that I had at the time. Mm. And my intention with this project was I wanted to really encourage a true and accurate self image. I wanted to encourage uh, what is really true within myself. And I've, I've made the most beautiful thing that I've Mm. ever created. Uh, And so it was really interesting going through this process of, like reflecting on mm. what have the patterns and themes been in these what last a beautiful 12 years. Box. 
Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited. It has the constellations and this is the North Star right in the center of the mandala. And it said that the center of the, the mandala, the bindu, is the point from which all creation emerges, which is kind of beautiful. It's called That's emergence. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, and this is the emergence oracle cards, correct? Yes, yes, yes. And it's been a lot of fun. Tell me, how, how does how does how do those uh, cards work? Are these tarot cards or what what are these? <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been asking the same question. And you and I had some conversations about this. I was like, what, what even is this? And so that's something I would like to encourage for other creatives. If you're like stuck in the what is this phase, uh, we really want you like just allowing myself to focus on what I do know, which is this is something I need to take action on. I don't know what it is yet. And I don't have to know. I don't have to know what this is. Um, and what I've realized through the process of going through this is uh, there are patterns and themes that have been playing out in my life that are universal to other people's lives. So there happen to be three mountain paintings. Mountain is symbolic of, I mean, what do you think of when you think of a mountain? I think stability, uh, being able to see things, new perspective if you get to the top, uh, yes. magnitude, a body of work. Um, I yes. think about uh, contrast because when you see a mountain, you can see the contrast between the land and the sky. Yes. Yeah, those, those are some things that I, I think about. Yeah. And what about when you look at a lion roaring? What does that bring out in you? <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good one. I I I I like the lion because I, I want to believe that there's a part of me that's kind of like a killer, the king of the jungle type type person. But at the same time, I uh, I want to have the capacity to like really chill, like a lion can do. You know, when they're just lying there yes. and just really chilling, and they 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 kind of have a, a lay of the land and everything is kind of in control, and they can actually allow themselves to relax. I struggle. Yes relaxing and I, I know i can be like this like i can be mm, you know lying forward but the uh, it's the it's the relaxing part the that i struggle with so that's that's something that i think about with the the lion yeah 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 and thank you for sharing that and i love the pun with it's time that like lying back i'm gonna lie back a little yeah bit there you go lying back so that, that's what i need <laughs> yeah yeah um so it was a really interesting process of just kind of getting out of my own way and letting this come through. And now people are connecting with the cards and they're, they're, every card is a mirror reflection of something within you, right? So you're seeing the line is like, wow, yeah, maybe I could chill out more. So mm -hmm. it's, it's all speaking to the subconscious, uh, it, mm -hmm. from subconscious to subconscious, if you will, or soul to soul, however we want to think about it. Uh, so it's Very been so cool. much fun. Yes. So, so for example, you pull out the cards and you shuffle them and then you pick one or do you do the like, oh, whatever card drops, that's the one I'm going to pick today. Or, or do you just like open it and look at them? How, how, do, how do you use them? What's, uh, what's Joanna's prescription? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So, yeah, I do. Uh... I'm just, I'm just kind of joking, but, you know, just to make it uh, fun. Yeah. 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 And it's however people want to play with them. Right. But it's interesting, too, how. Um, Oh, look at this. I just opened this up and it's a butterfly that just came out of a chrysalis. Uh, there's five butterfly cards. There's a caterpillar. There's three stages of the butterfly in the chrysalis in different areas. And so when the butterfly first emerges, right? So first of all, we know that if, if we were to help it find its way out of the chrysalis, it wouldn't have the strength in its wings to fly, right? Mm -hmm. So there's something about that. But then, and you might know this, but the, the point where it's out of the cocoon, um, it needs time 
for the fluid to get down into the wings. And it's just gone through this whole process of like, it completely dissolved. It was in this period of nothingness. And I feel like that's where I was in my life when I went to interface. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or maybe it was copy. No, it was interface. I was just in that 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 uh, elixir of uh, one way wasn't working, new way, don't know what it is yet. And that's mm -hmm. okay. But I was mm -hmm. in that cocoon and, and interface was right there for me. But then it, it takes some time uh, when we get out of the cocoon to just let the wings kind of air out. So it's a message to, to me of like kind of what I was talking about with the mandala is like you don't need to rush through this life experience. We're, we're here for a very short time. Just be here. Just just be here and breathe. Mm -hmm. And that's all that's needed. So interesting how that card just came up. <laughs> right? mm. Yeah. Well, uh, I as you said, the last part, um, yeah, I truly connected with that. And I believe that. And uh, um it was a it was a good reminder for me to just breathe and be, um, you know, this week, for example, I'm I'm rushing to do a lot of things. I'm, I'm supposed to go on vacation next week. I'm supposed to go do this thing that it's relaxing and I'm stressing the shit out trying to get to the relaxing part. But then I'm like, wait a second. What is there to do, really? Mm. You're going to make the thing. You're going to go to the place. Why not also enjoy this this moment, which is the majority of your life you're going to this like fake illusion thing that you call vacation yeah. uh, this is the real thing why not just enjoy this and it's something that uh earlier on in our conversation you got emotional sharing which is being able to really embrace the journey what is it that comes up for you there <sighs> i think it's my own um the tendency towards rushing to, rushing to, rushing to, and never historically, um, or let me reframe, like, uh, how do I want to explain this? Um, just realizing how much I had been missing out on the present moment in the continuous pursuit of more, of doing, of achieving, I was missing out on life. And I know that that experience is not unique to me. And uh, it's been such a beautiful thing to realize just how much opportunity there is to really receive and be as well as do. And like, who do I want to be as I'm doing is a conversation I'm really excited to see more of happening more and more so than ever before. We're only here for a short time. Like, why not make it as beautiful as we possibly can? Mm -hmm. And I think especially with, and here's the beautiful paradox with technology, right? And we have tools that we've never had before and we can create in ways that we've never created before. Mm -hmm. And there's also so many distractions, alert notifications, the speed, speed, speed. So it's like, how do I want to be in relationship with technology in a way that allows me to be fully human and access even more creativity, more potential. It takes some discipline to slow down, doesn't it? At least for me, it does. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. I think that's the message. That's that's a good way of uh, wrapping this up. Wow, Joanna, thank you. Uh, I appreciate your time and, and sharing, and I hope everybody listening uh, yeah, felt what I felt and can connect with this. And... Uh, yeah, weirdness. The embracing of the weirdness is actually what you just said right now. It's it's really 
leaning into this short period of time that we have here and to make this um, expression as beautiful as it can be. I I like to say, just make it magical. Mm. And, uh, you know, this is something that I, I, and I feel like we're going on, but this is something that I've been really thinking about and, and, and trying to lean into. I have this really strong bond with my grandson, uh, he's my grandson, but I, I, he's, he feels like my, my son, uh, type thing is like, we're, we're really attached and we're not even biologically related, but it, it, I feel very, very connected. And, um, whenever I have doubt of anything, I just say, all I need to do is make this magical. And that is just being in awe of what it's like to be alive. Wow, look at the sky. Wow, look at the trees. Wow, look at the street. Wow, look at the the, the this, the that. And just the, oh, wow. Like my, my grandson loves saying that. Oh, wow. I'm like, that's that's what I'm hearing when I when I when I hear you say, um, yeah, being in the moment, enjoying the stuff that we have right here and being disciplined and slowing down to be in awe is 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 magical and i think that is so so great so thank you for being a a conduit for for reminding us of of this you you, you're wonderful thank you joanna oh carl and thank you so much and thank you for helping this language come through it it's such a beautiful thing what we created here in this conversation so thank you yeah unbelievable thank you so much this is the freestyle way (laughs) 